What's better than this? Oh, come on. Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this live episode of Takes on Takes. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Kyle, get... You still with me? Oh, you froze there for a sec. You scared the shit out of me. You froze. Excuse my cussing at the top of the show. Um, Takes on takes. Comments yeah. already popping off. Yeah, and I got two that were sent in to me in oh, advance of this that we yeah, we gotta get to. Actually, I want to start with this one. Let's okay. get real, real spicy here to start things off. This okay. one comes from Jules Winfield's wallet. The University of Michigan is not and may not have ever been an elite college football program. They have half of a national championship in 70 years. They are the Frank Gore of college football oh, no. programs. The Frank Gore slander early on the pod tonight. It's been a while. We needed to make sure there was some more here. So, jeez, uh, I have a really hard time buying into Michigan being an elite program or having been an elite program at least any time in like recent memory. Maybe that's an inflammatory take. I don't know, but I would be inclined to buy into this. Well, I mean, it is an elite college football program what we see right now from Alabama, what we've seen right now from Clemson. You think about the U with their run, Gators under Meyer slash Spurrier. I mean, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I think Because Michigan's uh, never been that, right? Right, correct. I think elite college programs are multiple national championships in a fairly – condensed with like if you want one in 1940 and you want one last year like you're not that's not an elite college program yeah so the michigan's never done that college football dynasty they are not a college football dynasty they've had a ton of success they've been around a long time they're a successful very successful college football program but dynasty elite i'm out um I have a take for you just off the top of my head right now. Okay. Okay. Jim Harbaugh will not be fired from the University of Michigan because he is the most high-profile coach willing to take the job. You don't think Michigan can get, like, their choice of coach? Here's the thing, brother. The Cincy coach. That dude's – that's a good football coach. Yeah. Coach Fickle. Yep. Luke Fickle. He's an Ohio State guy. He can't go to Michigan. To me, that's the You're number out. one coaching st- That's the number one coaching candidate in America right now for college football. Him. Oh, this is fun. He this can't go fun. to Michigan. Brian said, swap Saban and Harbaugh. How long does it take Saban to make Michigan elite, and could Harbaugh keep Alabama at their elite status? That's a great take. That's a question. But- it's not a take, but we can give our takes here. Yeah, I – I think I think uh, Michigan would turn into Alabama North real quick. Give it two years. Yeah. 
Harbaugh's he, had talent. That's not been the issue. Recruiting's been good. His quarterbacks haven't been good. Well, yeah, you got to get that right. So that's going to be the difference. I said that about Tennessee. What 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 Tennessee has to do is they have to get a Trevor Lawrence type quarterback, and it will shift, and then they'll attract other big time players. Right. And I feel like for any program that's trying to come out of a dark period that's had some success, that's the difference maker. You got to get that one piece, get that whatever Deshaun Watson or whatever really ignite enthusiasm in the program. Right. Right. And everything else follows suit. So. Yeah, I think Harbaugh would stand a reasonable chance to win a national championship within the first three seasons because it's Saban's foundation, right? But from there, it's like, who was it? Florida State? What's go a little further? The, the, the nosedive when like they won the national championship and then things kind of got stale with Jimbo and then Jimbo's out and then like, in the four years since, it was like they were modestly competitive, and now it's just like total dumpster fire. Correct. Yep. That's now we think they got the right guy, Mike Norvell, to turn that around. Man, I thought it happened a little quicker. I mean, I know he's really young into this thing, but it's a weird year. It is, and I I bought into this idea that well, if Brady White, who I think is a marginal football player, can execute Mike Norvell's system at Memphis, then surely. One of these guys at Florida State can do it. And I was really into this defensive coordinator, uh, Adam Fuller, and the talent they had on defense. And it just hasn't come together quick enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to get, I think they'll get there, but it's going to take a little time. Our good buddy, Rahul. What's up, bud? Wow, that's spicy. This is a spicy take, but I'm going to be honest with you. I thought about this myself today. Well, I'm going to let me read this to you and you could tell, tell everyone what you've determined. From Rahul, he said, Zach Wilson, that's the quarterback from BYU, he'll be drafted before Trey Lance. Okay. So let's hold them up against each other here. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Who's going to have more games on their resume? Oh, it's not close. Wilson. Who's going to have played and played at a higher level in 2020? Wilson. Who has more physical upside? Maybe Lance. Maybe. Who played at a better level of competition? Wilson. I think he might. Fact or fiction, they're both first-round picks in 2021. They are so toolsy. If Jordan Love's going to go. Right. I'm still ready to buy in on Trey Lance. And there's going to be that need, right? Because I did my mock draft today, and I got through the first three quarterbacks, and I'm like, Chicago, Jacksonville with their second pick, whether, you know, I mean, if they're no, on the they're, outside. No, they're they're going now. Well, I'm saying they're, they're, they're a team that outside of the top three. Yeah, but right? they'll, they'll take a top three guy. If they're not in position to take one, then they can't take one. So I'm saying is that further down the draft – there could we'll be they could be in the market for Zach Wilson, right? It was the hypothetical with the Dolphins this year, right? When it was like, oh, they might take right. Andrew Thomas in the top five and then take a QB later and draft Jordan Love. Right. Or they might pick fourth and they just won't be in the conversation, right? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's there's variables here. Saints, Patriots, 49ers. Dude, 49ers fans want Zach Wilson. Let me yeah. tell you that. As right they now. should. As they, they should. Would. Because so, 
he's a he's a dude who plays with an edge. And if you, know you who think of got? something that Jimmy Garoppolo's not, it's a dude who plays with an edge. That's why we've got to we've got to uh that's a funny comment by Jared. Uh <laughs> What was I even talking about? I was saying something good. We, we, we got a something. We're talking about the 49ers? I can't remember. I Jimmy Garoppolo, Zach Wilson. Yeah. It's gone. Playing it's with gone. an edge. And it's gone. gone. It's gone. Okay, we got This is what I was going to say. It's back. We got to get eyes on Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback. He's athletic. Right. I mean, we got to see what's there because I'm telling you, based on that logic that you put out there that, you know, Jordan Love was the first round pick. Well, Matt Corral diced up Kentucky. He diced up Florida. He diced up Alabama. Lane train, baby. And I mean, he just killed Vanderbilt, but I mean, for whatever stock you want to put, he completed 90% of his passes. He's like 31 of 34, like six touchdowns, 400 yards. We here at the Locked On Network have been big time proponents of the Built brand and Built's newest product, Built Go just ups the ante even more. It's a workout gel that's built to help you break through your mental or physical wall each and every day. It's easy to take. It comes in a one and a half ounce package. You put it in your back pocket, in your golf bag, in your briefcase, in your glove compartment, wherever. And it's always ready to go when you are. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is chocolate mint, but there's also peanut butter honey and chocolate coconut. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, and it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff to ignite your system. Beta alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, and it's built to kick all day long with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Ooh. Halil's Real Football Talk. Take, if the Steelers and Raven play that game that just transpired on Sunday, five times the Ravens win four of them. Well, I mean, if you look at the numbers, right, like – when it comes to yardage and those types of things. Weren't they up two scores? Right. Yeah, I mean no no. You say that you say Baltimore wins that game 80% of the time. As hotly contested as a rivalry as this is, and as talented as Pittsburgh's defense is, I could get I could get on board with three out of two. Or three, mm-hmm. three to two. I'm going to ask you as this is a question. This isn't a take. Okay. Okay. If the Dolphins and Rams play that game five times, the Rams win four of them. No. So I'm talking the Dolphins had eight first downs. The yardage was like crazy discrepancy. Yeah, the yardage was crazy discrepancy because the Dolphins ran five plays in the second quarter and still outscored the Rams in the second quarter 21 to three. Right. So you can't and the Dolphins played Ben don't break in the fourth. They they had 150 yards of offense. The Rams did in two fourth quarter drives with the Dolphins were leading by 18, 23 plays, 150 yards. So all that being said with the game script going the way that it did, Miami's defense was so dominant in forcing four turnovers. I think, 
I don't think the Rams take a clean sweep out of the other four games. I'd say the Rams probably win two out of three. What if it's five? Two, they win three or four? Two, two out of three out of five. Okay. I think four to one is such an egregious slant when the Dolphins very clearly had a defensive advantage against Jared Goff and the Rams. Offense. When you can play man coverage against the Rams, it takes the eye discipline crap out of it. Yep. Everyone's got a man. You're not. And then they got the third down and they switched to zone for the screen to counter yeah. screen game. Yeah. And they just kind of sat on stuff and they brought blitz. They brought free rushers off the edge and yep. Goff just threw these lollipops out there <laughs> because he didn't want to get hit. And because the Dolphins had converted into zone coverage, they're sitting there squatting on it. They dropped three picks against Goff and they still got him for four turnovers. Put this Mitchell Lang twi- uh, take up there. I want your take on this about the Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith take. The oh, Dolphins okay. should draft Jalen Waddle and Devonta oh, Smith in the first a, round. A man after my heart. I don't know. It's Mitchell like fourth Lang. from the bottom. Yeah. I was looking at his Ryan Day take. Oh, yeah. He has multi. I didn't see the other one. So Dolphins should draft Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith in the first round. This team does have some other needs (laughs) as much as I would love it. I would love it. And they need a, they need a Mike linebacker so bad. They need a three down Mike linebacker desperately. So you get this in the first round, your second round picks are Cam McGrone and Josh Myers. Can I make one of them? Najee Harris. Would you want to? Yeah. Would you rather just get like Javante Williams in the third round? No. What? No, I want Najee. You do? If you're going to build Alabama Southeast, you might as well just get all the Alabama skill players to run the same offense. All right, so you, you, which one are you throwing out? That's my, are you throwing out Myers or McGrone for Harris? I'll keep McGrone. You didn't want okay, and then I get I'll, you can get a quality center after the first two rounds. Cushionberry went in the third, right? Yeah. Now, I made the mistake of watching Auburn versus LSU to watch Jamar Chase on the flight down to Miami this past weekend, and let me tell you, Derek Brown kicked the shit out of Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such an extreme example, but it was right. like. I forgot how good that tape was. Like Derek was everywhere against LSU. I like this one for the sports nut. I want your take on this. The Jets. The the Jets, Jets yeah. So I did this in my mock draft. And so the oh sports nut says the Jets should draft Travis Etienne to pair with Trevor Lawrence, like in Joe's mock. Okay. I felt some kind of way about it because I know good and well that the Jets have more pressing needs than running back, right? Jets are, Jets fans were probably pissed at that, weren't they? Not as bad as I thought they'd be. Really? And maybe I, just... I gave them like Brevin Jordan. It was like the worst possible decision <laughs> I could make. So they liked ETN better. Um, I mean, I try to sell it as like, look, you, you need difference makers, right? And they have cap space. They've got draft picks. So like I was prepared for this whole side argument of, yeah, they have other needs, but they also have other ways to address them than just pick 31 or whatever they have based on that Seattle pick right now. So I was like, okay, Travis ETN and, and Tre- Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if that can't jumpstart an offense, I don't know what can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
you got cap space and other draft picks to fix your other problems. It was too tempting for me to pass up because he was, I was, my plan was to give him to Pittsburgh at 32. And I'm like, wait, got down there and you're like, wait a minute. I'm like, wait, that that's like, like this. That's, that's like the, the realization that the GMs have in the draft room, right? Where it's like, right. Well, well, (laughs) we could, why not? Right. Like he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. So do you like it? Like on a personal level, did you like that idea? You can reason with me behind that. I I think you surround Trevor Lawrence with good football players. Yeah, I don't really care what position they come at because they just need good football players everywhere other than left tackle on offense. M. Webb, DK Metcalf is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. He played like Mm, yesterday. Man, yeah, yesterday. too bad they didn't get more involved in against Arizona. They probably win the game. Yeah. Guess whose problem DK Metcalf is this week? Yours. Yeah. How's Tredavious White's health? What about Tredavious White? How is his health? He's okay. He's got some I know, back. I knew he was kind of yeah, – did he miss a game? He did. He missed the Tennessee game. Okay. You had back issue. Um, Holy cow, man. The best. I'm looking at his numbers. <laughs> DK. Oh, holy shit. He's fourth in the NFL and receiving at 680 yards. I mean, Hopkins is pretty doggone un- unbelievable. But, I mean, yeah. you talk about seven touchdowns, 19 yards a catch. I mean, DK just needs to get targeted more. He only has 59 targets. Well, that's the scary thing is he's gotten – he got 11 targets versus Minnesota, and he got 15 against San Francisco. Those Good are gosh. two of his last three games. So Dude, they're, they're starting seven. to feed him the ball. He's only played seven games, too. So he's not like some, a lot of these other guys like Diggs and Anderson and Ridley in the top five. They've all played eight games. Right. Hopkins and, and uh, Metcalf in the top five receivers, they, they've only played seven. He's averaging 11 and a half yards per target. Let's take this from the perspective that I that I normally do. When I think about who would I least like to try to defend? Yeah, which one of these guys, what receiver would you least like to try to defend in the NFL right now? DK Metcalf. It's probably DK. It's probably DK. In this offense with Russell Wilson, and I get that's out of DK's specific control, but like, brother. Man, I used to say this all the time, right? Because like, Good for him that he has Russ Wilson. I remember when the Bills had Lee Evans, and I always used to say, good God, if Lee Evans played with Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison played with the crap quarterbacks that the Bills had over that run, would you just flip their careers around and you'd you'd think, you know what I mean? Like, how much did that play into Lee Evans being a good but not great player and why Harrison was a great player? That's like the – if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all be Merry Christmas, right? Well, I think this is a variable that contributes largely to the receiver's success, right? Who's throwing them the football? So my producer is trying to pull the numbers of what DK Metcalf posted against Xavier Howard. I think he caught like five of six targets with Howard in coverage. And he torched him for like 
100 yards and a touchdown. Okay. So he was caught like five of six targets, 100 yards and a touchdown. Let's just call it that. That's not mm-hmm. the exact numbers, but he got almost all his production against the Dolphins against Xavier Howard in coverage. You want to know what Xavier Howard's stats are for the year in coverage? Sure. He's been targeted 30 times. He's given up 14 completions for 248 yards, one touchdown, and an opposing passer rating of 46.9. And DK hit him for five of six for 100 and a touchdown. So DK good. He's confirmed confirmed good. Confirmed good, yes. All right. Here we go. Liam Johnson, Lee Evans, all-time underrated team. I'm here for that. Braden with his handsome doggo. Take the big noon game being a Pac-12 morning game is actually a good decision. Is that the truth this week? I'd assume so. I can tell you the Pac-12 needs all the coverage they can get. Yeah, I'd like to watch some Pac-12 football. So let me see. I got to see if this is really true here. Week 10 of the college football season. What is big noon like noon Eastern time? Noon kickoff. I would assume it's a. I would assume big noon game is like the Fox. Oh, Fox Arizona, yeah. dude! Arizona State at USC is at noon on Saturday. Oh, okay. Good I can get them. weird with that. So what's local time? That's like nine a.m. No, <laughs> Southern Cal. Because it, yeah, I always get screwed up with Arizona with because we got a bunch of employees for TDN in Arizona, right? So they don't observe daylight savings time. So we've had meetings that have been like, oh, it's. 1230 Eastern, 930 in Arizona. Well, now it's only two hours behind because we moved our clocks back and they don't move, but the rest of the of the Pacific time zone does. So yes, nine o'clock kickoff. You know who also doesn't observe daylight savings time? Joe Marino. No, I certainly do. <laughs> My daughter didn't well, care yeah. about it at all, no. sir. No, she, she didn't did give you an extra care. hour, did no. she? No, she did she she didn't care at all. Okay. All right. How about our Fritz? Okay. What he pay is what we wanted Ray Sean Gary to be. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I had good perspective on what I thought right. Ray Sean Gary was. I um, wanted Ray Sean to be an interior defender. Yeah. And, and now the Packers turn him into a freaking outside Rush linebacker. Line. Yeah. Uh, I think pay is a better prospect than Gary. I would agree with that. I think I had an early two on yeah, Gary. I didn't, I didn't have a one on Gary. Packers did. He was a good player, though. I thought like he was. I thought he was a good prospect. I know it was super polarizing. I just really didn't agree with the vision on how they wanted to use him. Yeah, when it if was they Green wanted Bay, to optimize like, him. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't understand that. But he would have had to stack so much weight to play with his hand in the dirt for Green Bay. So you kind of knew, like. This was inevitably the direction that they were going to go. And to be fair to Ray Sean, like, okay, you're stuck behind Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So, like, what are you going to do? They brought these guys in in free agency and they both crushed. Not in the run defense, though. Dalvin Cook had himself a day, didn't he? Yeah, he was. He was really good. Okay, take from Chris. The 49ers will be worst to first in their division next year. So he's already shifted his mindset to 2021 for San Francisco. Well, I, I think getting Bosa healthy will help. Um, 
but I need to know what the quarterback situation looks like and what do we have to cling to that says it's Seattle and Arizona and, and the Rams won't be right in it again. I mean, it's going to be competitive division. I wish so, the Rams had a first-round pick to work with. They don't. Yeah, I know. They got Jalen Ramsey, though, and Aaron Donald. Did you see that picture I sent you? Yeah, it's funny. Of Aaron Donald? <laughs> they legit, legitimately quadruple-teamed him <laughs> and then left the backside tackle in the back 101 to block block three guys looked like Tua had a nice pocket to work with uh, yeah, even with you know, four guys dedicated to did. Donald. I, I think that was the Gasecki ball to be honest with you the the uh, drop yeah no contested target uh Jared dude was all fired up so here's his hot take Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields will be competing for QB1 throughout the draft process causing a de- debate as to who the Jets will take at number one Um, no, I don't think so. I think, I think Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect than Justin Fields. Uh, I like, I like Lawrence. I think he's physically more gifted and and that's not a a shot at fields. Right. I just think there's more physical skill when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we've seen him in, in big moments in coming through. Um, I think Lawrence might be a better athlete. Um, comments are piling on now. Yeah, I'm. I don't think so. I think Lawrence is, is a better prospect that deserves to be ranked and picked higher than Fields. And I like Fields. I like Fields a lot. You, you ever have a tweet that blows up and you're like, "Why did this blow up?" I think this is like common sense, and yet it gets a ton of play. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. So I had that when Ohio State played their first game, and I said something along the lines of. I don't I think Trevor Lawrence is unquestioned QB1, but don't ever let me say or call Justin Fields a consolation prize from here on out because he's a grand prize to some team in his own right. And he got like 2000 likes. I'm like, "Why why did this blow up? Like this is he, Fields is so good, but Trevor Lawrence having done what he has done and played at such a high level for such a long amount of time at the college game leaves very little room for me to come off the comfort level, right? Because everything, especially from us on the outside, it's all risk assessment. Mm -hmm. I feel like the risk assessment of Trevor Lawrence is very low. Even if he goes to a dumpster fire team like the Jets, he will have an opportunity to elevate that team to play for playoff appearances every single year because I think he's that good. So that's where I'm at with that debate. But yeah, Justin Justin Fields in any other draft class is probably QB1 unquestioned. This just happens to be that year. And honestly, that might be a good thing for Justin Fields. We'll see who has that number two pick. It's Probably Jacksonville. But right now, yeah, the, they're, they're the Giants rough, own it. They're in rough shape right now. Jacksonville. We Where's got our Jake Lutton. Jake Lutton's Jake, getting first team reps this go week. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. I don't know. They they keep pulling these Pac-12 dudes out to right. play quarterback. 
Uh, here we go. Mitchell bringing the heat today. Patriots are absolute, his phrasing, not mine, dog crap, and should hit the total reset button. What were your thoughts when Bill Belichick exclaimed that the salary cap was why this team is as bad as it is this year? First of all, I thought he was hacked. Did you did you see the full comment that he made? No. I just saw that headline. And I know sometimes that that gets pulled out of context. So if you've got more to the story, I would love to hear it. From the words, from the mouth of Bill Belichick. Billy B. I mean, look, we paid Cam Newton $1 million. It's obvious that we didn't have any money. It's nobody's fault. That's what we did the last five years. We sold out. We won three Super Bowls played in a fourth, and played in an AFC championship game. This year we had less to work with. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Can, can you can you say, read that like Belichick? Uh, I mean, look. Uh, yeah, look, uh, we paid Cam Newton $1 million. $1 million. Uh, it's obvious. pretty clear we didn't have any money. Uh, it's nobody's fault, but... Uh, we got the hoods and everything. We could do it. I don't have any holes. This is a new sweatshirt. So. This is short sleeves too. I'm halfway oh, there. Yeah, you're you're a little bit there. I've seen you with the yeah. cutoff hoodies. So there. Now you look better too. <laughs> it's stupid subway cover. <laughs> I'm just happy that we can share these giggles right now. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing: we took a big leap in the preseason because we projected this team to hover around 500. And there's been plenty of times throughout the course of the past five, 10 years that we've wanted to bury, take the shovel, bury the Patriots dynasty. Right. Um, Who's never been guilty of that. Who was the one who got slammed for saying like the Patriots dynasty was dead in like 2013 or 14. You remember that? It was like, There's been a lot of people that have been clowned in the last 10 years saying they were done. So for us to project the Patriots to like eight and eight or seven and nine or whatever it was, was a little scary. I don't know about you, but we looked at the roster and we were like, and then it's only gotten worse from there because they've taken hits on the offensive line. So here's a take for you. The Patriots should not have franchise tagged Joe Thune. They'd have 14 million but they wouldn't have Joe Tooney, but they have a ton of cap space next year. No, Joe Tooney wouldn't have, wouldn't, isn't the reason they're two and five. So, so you agree or disagree? Because I'm saying if Bill's saying salary cap was a problem, then why did you franchise tag a guard? Yeah, I think for $13 million. Correct. I don't think they should have done it. In fact, they probably could have gotten a nice compensatory pick. Oh, for sure. For and they're, they're, they're already due two threes because they lost Tom and they lost – who was the other one? Van Noy's – Van Noy was the big one. Collins, Alandon Roberts, Ted Karras. I know they – I know they're currently projected for two threes with compensatory picks. Well, so here's the thing is they have cap space. So now they're going to be able to sign players, and so there's not going to be the, the differential needed for the 2022 cycle right? to take advantage of him not being there. Now they could just keep him. And they also have one of the lowest stability ratings over the next two years, as far as like 
players currently under contract or starters currently under contract that are under contract beyond this year and next year. So they can flip the switch. It's a question of how well we've never seen New England do this. The Patriots have never, they've brought in veteran players and kind of sustained their core, but to turn the entire thing completely on its head, we've never seen this. So this is going to be really interesting to watch, but I don't disagree that the Patriots need to start from scratch, ask themselves, this is turning into an evaluation year for New England. Who do we have? Who can we work with? Who can we build around? Who should we be looking to transition away from and what can we get for those players? The, this was the deal was sealed when you lose to Buffalo and you drop to two and five. And you're four and a half games back in the division. Yeah. Is that, is that correct? Some, some. You're, you're not coming back. It's yeah. a halfway point of the season. Out with Cam. Cam Cam's not playing well. The ball security is horrible. I think they have seven turnovers in the last two games. Struggling. How about this close? one from Timothy? Yeah. And then we'll good. close. And then we'll This is a good one to close with. Uh take from Tim. Timothy. Steelers will be undefeated 10 and 0 when they face off against Baltimore the second time. Can your producer pull up the schedule? Oh, it's it's up. Are you ready oh, to work you're for this? Yeah. Are you ready, Kyle? Just yep. take it in stride here. Don't think too hard. Their next game is their next game is at Dallas. Yeah, it's a win. Okay. They're, they are gonna kill that poor quarterback. Okay. So Andy Dalton better not play. They're eight and no. All right. Next up, okay. home against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm an idiot. I was thinking of Baltimore. Um is this the first time they're playing Cincinnati? This is the first time. Yeah. They're gonna eat that offensive line alive. So nine and oh. Yep. Okay, here we go. Can they get to ten and oh? Ready for this one? It's a road game at Jacksonville. What game is the most likely loss out of those three? Cincinnati. Because Cincinnati somehow managed to come through and not let Joe Burrow get hit at all against the Titans this past week in an upset win. Did you see it with the worst offensive line ever assembled? Yes. The And it's a division game. We talk about this all the time. Weird things happen in division games. But, yeah, they're going to be 10-0, and, and they're going to play the Ravens. And then who they play after the Ravens? Washington at home. And then they play Buffalo. At Buffalo, at Cincinnati, they they host the Colts, and then they're at Cleveland. I mean, we're talking about like 13 wins here for sure, right? Yeah, we, we need uh, – I'm going to be rooting real hard for Buffalo if we get the – what's that, going to be 11-0? and 12-0? and 0? Be 12-0 and 0 if they win, run if the table beat, to that if game? If they can beat Baltimore again and handle their business oh, against teams that are going to be favored by many points, yeah, they'll be 11-0 they'll be and 0 going up against Buffalo. They'll be 12-0 like and 0 going up against Buffalo. I don't like that at all. Well, whenever you root for Bill's Mafia, it's never good. So can you just like keep that in yourself? Bill's Mafia, let's go. I'm already on. I'm already on board. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Draft Dudes Live, another live stream in the books. You guys brought a lot of good takes today. A lot of good takes. Unfortunately, we couldn't get them all. But at the same time, we got a game to watch. So if you missed this live, if you're listening on Tuesday to the podcast, Make sure you check us out. YouTube, The Draft Network, Mondays, Thursdays, ahead of prime time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know we changed the clocks. We're keeping the time the same. Kickoff is 7.30 no matter what. Thanks for watching The Draft Dudes live stream brought to you by Mighty Swell. We hope to talk to you again tomorrow.